done. Oh, oh, and we're live. Oh, my goodness. You hit it. I did hit it. I hit the red button. Okay. As always, guys, our intro is never rehearsed. I like it, then I don't like it, and then we're just going to we're just gonna lead into it, guys. If you guys oh haven't God. figured it out, by now, episode 52, I am one of your hosts, Mike. And joining me today, as always, the usual suspect himself, Jeff. It's Jeff. Hey. <laughs> Hey, we're everyone. back. We're back remotely. I know we did uh we did an odd filming. We recorded episode 51 first, then we did 50 last Sunday. Now we're back to 52. So this is our first episode back from being live, not live. So we're back. Jeff's back in Jupiter. I'm still here in Orlando. So back to the old yep, form. I am. I'm out on my porch. Out it's on my nice. porch, cigar. Yeah, it's man. like 42 degrees. It is wonderful. Yeah. But I'm smoking Never a cigar, drinking a beer, watching Speed. Speed? No sports? Keanu Reeves' best movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree Keanu with Reeves' that. best movie, man. Yeah. No, I don't need to be watching Monday night, or I don't need to be watching Sunday night football tonight. There's nothing on it. I haven't watched much NFL this year, to be honest with you. Yeah. The Giants yeah, sucking really just for me to I mean, watch anymore. Yeah, it's, it's to a point that I'm just ready for football to end and baseball to get started now that the Yankees signed Giancarlo Stanton, so... World Series oh, 2018. Dude, the New York come. Bash Brothers. Are you kidding me? The yeah, Bash Bros. Judge and John Carlo right there, three and four in the lineup. Gary yep. Sanchez right behind him. It's 130 home runs right there. Yep, yep. The Bronx Bombers are back. <laughs> like they ever left. So have, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, uh, Jeff joined us with a uh, joint. Blah, 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 blah. Jeff came up with the Red Sox for us. There's a dog. Oh, my God. Um, so, Jeff brought back to Jupiter some of his favorite uh, Red Cypher's beer, the Death Roll. But it's treated, it's their s'mores Death Roll. So uh, we're going to do, we're going to do, we haven't done these in a while, and maybe we could, we should start doing it a little bit more often. Uh, me and you kind of sharing beers and uh, remotely, obviously, we're not at the same table. But, uh, you know, going back and forth just like we did uh, old school and, and just like the good old Wab UCF days and going back and forth about uh, beers we're drinking. So, we're, yeah. We both have the s'mores. It's cool when we can both get our hands on something awesome that, like, especially a limited release, if we can both get our hands on it, because then we can do our tasting just like we're together at, at sitting across the table the way we used right. to do it. Right. And uh, we did kind of touch on this one last week or two weeks ago, I guess, episode-wise, when we were live for the 50th episode at Red Cypress. Um, we, uh, that's where we obviously picked up these cans, but they were uh, they had it on app that I got to try it that day for the first time. A phenomenal beer, um, and that is what I'm drinking right now. So we're so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna I haven't actually taken a sip of it yet. <laughs> nope. So this is the the Imperial S'mores Death Roll. It got released. Uh, I want to say about a month ago to the date of this recording. So about a month, maybe maybe three weeks. But uh, I mean, great nose. Uh, I'm not getting a whole lot of like marshmallow per se, but I'm getting a nice roast, like a good coffee, a good a good malt uh, smell. Uh, the head. Or uh, yeah, the head uh, is consistent. Mm-hmm. Sticking around, but big chocolate notes. As, Almost as like Death Row always has that big, like chocolatey, roasty kind of right, right. Yeah, and, or malt bill goes. It has that like malty, roasted malt smell. Yeah, for sure. And I'm getting a bit like almost like a hazelnut character to it, or like an almond, like like a nuttiness on the aroma. Mm-hmm. As we're smelling it, but yeah, it smells. Not not big marshmallow. I'm not getting any kind of graham cracker, but it just smells really good, uh, you know. So, 
Cheers, man. What do you? Th- I mean, Cheers. what do you get? On- Hold on, let me get. What do you get on the smell? On the aroma. I mean, the aroma. It's it's like uh, it's like your big boozy imperial stout would be uh, kind of on the sweeter end. Um, just like you. Most of them are becoming those like kind of very sweet stouts, uh, and I, I don't know how. But you know when you smell one of those beers that you just know is that smell sloppy. Like yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but you know, like a heavy, a heavy nose, um, very sweet, very almost vanilla-y. Um, I do actually smell a little bit of the the marshmallowy kind of like I don't want to call it vanilla because it's not vanilla, but that kind of creamy, um, vanilla-y aroma to it. Sure. Uh, but it's it's just like you said, it's it's just not it's not the most potent, but it's just it's a very nice smelling beer. It smells like you're going to enjoy it. And the second that you take a sip of it, you know that it does follow through. Um, it's almost one of those beers that if you were just to smell it, you wouldn't know what to expect from the taste. But then once you taste it, the smell makes sense. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And this is, I think a perfect beer for it being, you know, as cold in the forties it is. So it'd be a nice, nice, hearty, thicker bodied beer that will go nicely with Jeff's cigar and the colder weather. So it's, I'm excited to dive in, man. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Cheers, man. Cheers. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this is classic, classic death roll. Right? The big, big, thick-bodied, almost syrupy, but like just very like a thick, melted chocolate kind of feel. A lot of it's chocolate. Just, oh, so a little good. bit of roast. A little bit of roast maybe even a slight coffee hint uh it's like coffee note but it is just nice and full-bodied not overpowering not boozy it's just nice and refreshing i'm not sure if it's full-blown s'mores in in the taste but it is classic death roll thickness to it no and i don't think i i mean i know that yes it's s'mores and i I, but i don't think that like with red cypress when you with certain breweries, you know, when they're going for a style, they're or they're going for like they put s'mores on the label. They're going for like I want it to taste like exactly like a s'mores. But then there's other breweries that want you to pick up on the subtle notes of the flavors that would go into a s'mores, and you kind of build that flavor profile in your mouth. And I feel like Red Cypress is the more subtle approach. Yes, um, agreed. They're not going right at it to slap you in the face with like you think you're drinking a liquid s'mores, but it taste like there's all of the flavors of a s'mores in this beer they all play real nice together not boozy but for a beer with a pretty high abv i'm actually trying to look on the can for what it is but i do know uh i remember saying wow i can't believe it's that high when i was drinking it last I time i think it's over eight percent and it doesn't it, it taste doesn't like it here. the body no. is i mean the body is very thick and syrupy but if that's your style of beer like mike was saying it's in the 40s tonight it is the perfect beer for me right now um not that an imperial stout's not the perfect for beer, beer for me every day but <laughs> but it is the perfect beer for me right now and it is uh it is every bit as flavorful as i would hope it would be it has all the flavors i don't feel like it was misrepresent misrepresented or or feel like they missed anything in the flavors yeah real i mean they they really hit i i, I would go on record to say that death Row is a is a very underrated milk stout for sure. Oh yeah. In terms of in terms of what we've had in Florida, this beer can easily win awards. Oh, and it should. It it absolutely should. I mean, not I mean not to give uh 
somebody else uh, i'm not trying to put this other brewery down because we've talked about them before as well and i believe that they're they're doing great stuff as well but walking tree just won a gabf gold for an imperial stout and red cypress has death roll that's been an an incredible imperial stout since they put it out a couple years ago or well it's been an incredible stout, but they immersion is fantastic they could easily enter this in i mean have a shot at winning like it's unheard of walking tree are just want a gold yeah. and they're right up the road you know yeah and, and they're big players in the florida market uh especially the last year or two because i know they won uh they won a big competition might have been hanapu day like last year they won some big award not this season but last season that really put them on the uh put them on, on the map but i mean uh, yeah i went to walking tree once great beers their white ipa i think is underrated i oh think my God, it's so good I think it's definitely in the shadow of neon and white oak, uh, but it's definitely it could definitely play with them those those beers. Maybe, dude, we should have a white IPA like tasting. Dude, How well, cool I'll would that you, be? I'll tell you, like I had, I had uh, obviously is the most like if you're in Florida, that's the IPA. Um, I like and we had we had highlight on, yeah. and we switched it over because I wanted to get something a little bit more local, closer to Martin County. We tried out Walking Tree when they just hit the market, and people went freaking crazy for this white IPA. And these are like hardcore high lie drinkers who have had high lie on tap for months at this point. Every day they could come in and get a high lie. I was thinking that they were going to break down the walls, like they were going to scream at me. They tried this Walking Tree white IPA, and not one of them was like, "Man, I miss high lie." Right. And like, granted, it might not be to them. Some of them they think it's better. Some of them probably don't think it's as good. But so much worse that they're upset about it. Like right. it's. It is an on-par IPA with High Lie. Obviously, a little bit different, lighter. It's citrusy. It's really grapefruity. Um, but it is a, a brilliant IPA. Yeah, 100%. I can, yeah. I think that, that IPA can, can play with the big boys with the, the MIA Neon and the uh, the White Oak. Um, I would love to see more breweries mm-hmm. do white IPAs, too, coming from the non-IPA drinker like myself. That's that's a great style that I get a lot of flavor, and I, I really enjoy. So, my my IPA journey is definitely progressive at progressing at a, a very quick rate, probably the quickest out of all the styles. Oh, you should have came to the civil society with me yesterday. You would have gotten to try eight identical IPAs at once. <laughs> We've covered that on previous episodes. We might revisit that uh that that tactic uh, uh later on in, in a future episode. But <laughs> we have a cover news in a little bit. Um, we have some exciting uh, episodes coming up. So in the meantime, uh, before those episodes are recorded, we haven't done news. We haven't done anything cool lately to cover. So let's definitely jump into that. Uh, first things first, and this is a growing trend, I think. I'm calling it fucky, Funky Buddha Syndrome. Uh, we're on BeerStreetJournal.com. Founder CBS will officially return on December 1st. It is December 10th as we're recording, so this has been out for about nine days. Um, we are carrying it at my store, the, the liquor store I work at, for $30 a bomber. But without going into too much detail, just a, a good foundation is the last time this beer was released, this founder's CBS. It's their Imperial Stout brewed with chocolate and coffee aged in maple syrup bourbon barrels. Similar to their KBS, which is Kentucky bourbon, this is Canadian that has a maple syrup within the barrels, like a Crown Royal kind of thing 
Um, last time this hit distribution was October 2011, according to the article. And they're revamping their barely series. Uh, you know, K- KBS just got announced for a year-round distribution, which is fucking awesome because that Founders KBS is the shit for anything bourbon barrels. Is that is a OG fucking awesome beer? But I want to know what Jeff thinks of the CBS. Is he excited? Is he buying or selling? Also, let's go into the pricing of the bombers because it seems like like I just mentioned, thirty bucks is a is a a number I'm seeing a lot more common nowadays, especially with Funky Buddha Bombers yeah. hitting 30 bucks. So let's go. You buying or selling CB- CBS? Are you excited? Oh, let's my go God. Go. Am I excited? Oh, my God. Am I excited? I mean, uh, I didn't even realize, I guess, with how flooded the market is, with how not watered down it is, but with just how much great beer is coming out of so many great breweries, and there are just a billion of them now, um, that you you almost like – out of sight, out of mind, forgot that that beer it hasn't been out in a while. Right. And you hear, hey, it's coming back. You're like, holy Canadian, Canadian breakfast out. That's awesome. Um, obviously, big fans of Founders. We were when we did our treatment episode. Um, they put out fantastic beers. Everything is solid. KBS is absolutely incredible. CBS, if you haven't had it, is also phenomenal. Um, get it if you can find it. And uh, the only issue with it is that it is at a $30 price point per bottle, uh, which is a, a bit steep. The, the problem with it, just like any supply and demand market, is that people are getting it. And um, I, you call it the funky Buddha syndrome because they do release all of their bottles, no matter how good or bad or sought after or whatever they are, at, at pretty high prices. Um, I actually would rather attribute it what I would say would be the Goose Island syndrome with Bourbon County. Cause I think they were the ones who really, really pushed that bomber market to a high, high price point. And they saw that the demand was met and that they, people were still buying them. And so, I mean, I know for me, uh, I don't want to, I feel almost embarrassed to say this, but in my young infancy days of craft beer, I paid $90 for a bottle of Bourbon County rare. Oh, um, Jesus. And that's one bottle of beer. I think it's absurd. And now I would never pay that. You know, I, now that I, now that I'm a little bit, it's not as, I don't want to say it's not as cool to me anymore, but I just know that there are a lot of great beers out there that I don't have to pay $90 for that I will enjoy equally. So no, I would not be buying a $90 bottle of urban County rare again. Um, but you, he, there are beers that come out with a $90 price tag, a $100 price tag. Sam Adams Utopia comes out with a multiple, multiple $100 price tag, um, and people buy them. And so it sucks. I think it's absolutely absurd. Um, but that's the, that's the way the market is. Uh, they always come out, and like you, this article says, they're at a $25 price tag. It always comes out. Everybody advertises it at a different price than what it's actually selling for at stores. Um, Having said that, I do think it's steep. I think it's a little ridiculous. $30 at this point in my life is about where I'll cut myself off as far as purchasing goes, unless it's something absurdly rare. Um, so I will be going out to buy this bomber, but <laughs> but regrudgingly, because I, I do think that that's a little steep. Right. Yeah. I, I'd almost rather see I'd almost rather see more beer in the market at a lower price. Um, I do think that some breweries are taking the let's put less beer into the market and make it a higher price yeah. so that it like builds yep. demand higher. 
But if your beer's that good, the demand's already there. I don't think you need that. I don't know. It's a catch twenty two. No matter what you do, somebody's gonna be pissed. So it's it's an interesting point that you. I mean, you bring up a lot of points that we can we can definitely dive into. It's you know you call it the Kusan syndrome. I call it Funky Buddha. Um, I mean, Funky when Last No first came out. When Last No was like, holy shit. You know, it's a you can only get it in certain places, limited distribution. It was going for like thirty bucks a bomber, and now right. you can get last. Last no is almost borderline shelf turd, where it's selling for nine ninety nine, ten ninety nine because they just flooded the market, set it at a cheaper price, and then now everyone can get their bottle. And but there's so much of it to where it just sits. Yeah. Where they on the flip side, the point you made of well, if you sell less of it or make less of it, you sell it at an increase at a thirty dollar. You know, and that's their, you know, for Funky Boy specifically, that's Morningwood. They make less of it, but it's a $30 price point. Or Last Buffalo in the Park, which is a legit fucking amazing beer. That's another $30 bomber. So it's it's really a very thin line of what are you going to do from a brewery standpoint. Of make less, sell more. Make more, sell less. So it's, in this case, 30 bucks. Uh, You know, I, I, I bought it. I haven't had it yet, but, you know, I'm going to buy it because... Founders is like you said, you know, we can all agree is a, is a, a really great uh, brewery that gets often overlooked for the juicy haze, bro. But it's, <laughs> it's they do really killer stuff. Most of their beers are definitely great beers. Not all, but most are great. Um, and I, like you said, like thirty bucks is my max, unless it's something like super rare that I can really get, and that it's like thirty five dollars forty to where it's like. Uh, and then, but I feel guilty about it. I feel absolutely guilty that I'm spending 30 bucks, 35, 40 bucks on a beer on one beer. So right. It's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, breweries can do this because the market's buying it. Right. So we can sit here on this podcast and mention about how pricey beer can get, or listen to other people complain about, Oh, wait, you have this rare keg on draft and it's, you know, $15 a pint, but dude, like, we're buying it, you know, like they're going to keep these prices as long as people keep buying it. And, you know, the way to change the industry is to speak with your wallet. And that's any industry, but specifically craft beer. If you don't like a way a brewery's doing business, if you don't like their beer, if their beer is overpriced, then do not buy it. Yeah. And if enough people don't buy it, then they're going to go back and say, well, we made this, we lost this money. What did we do wrong? Maybe it's our price point. Maybe it's a $20 four pack that's overpriced or maybe it's a $30 bomber that even the maybe the beer didn't turn out like how many times have you spent 25 30 bucks on a beer and it did not turn out as advertised or good like I got burned recently by a beer that I spent I spent $25 on that was infected right so and it happens it happens and that's the risk we take as consumers so it's what no, are you gonna do you know? And there's and there's nothing you can do. I guess the the thing I was saying earlier, uh, we've talked about it. How much is the wa- is the market getting watered down? Is it? Uh, yes, it is. But in that in that comes some quality. You have to know how to find it. You have to stay involved in the market. You have to know what you're looking for. What breweries are standing out and doing great things. Um, in that respect, I think that's the reason that Founders gets overlooked a little bit, is because yeah. Founders is not exciting beer. Like they don't do a whole lot of like maple bacon, you know, whatever, I guess Canadian breakfast out or KBS 
or is, is what their closest thing to doing that is. And the last time they did it was 2011. They're not um, a trendy brewery. They're not as but all of their beers are solid. Everything they put out is a good quality beer. So that's why they've been able to last in the market as long as they had and still be relevant. But in Founders All Day, I believe, was on the list of the top 50 beers checked in. So they still have it was, some four man. Yeah. It was the number one most checked in beer, according to Untap, for the summer of 2017. And that's saying a lot because. You know, they beat out all the big boys with an all-day IPA with a, what is it, like a 3.5%? Yeah, a little IPA. session IPA. Yeah. But a dead style. We could, I think we could both agree a session IPA is borderline a dead style. Borderline, I mean, it, yeah. They don't, nobody advertises them anymore. They were a thing right. two years ago, and now they're right. just kind of like hanging out. Um, but no, I, I think in that respect, like I kind of got off on a tangent talking about founders because I think that they deserve a little respect. But they they don't do a lot of exciting stuff. They just hit their styles exceptionally well. They put out fantastic beers, and they've done it the same way forever. And with the same brands, they haven't really branched out all that much or done anything new. And you know, but they're great beers. Yeah, in that respect, they're, yeah, they're great. We have we have a market that is opening up brewery after brewery after brewery after brewery with beer after beer after beer all of these people are expanding their tap lineups constantly they're doing new styles they're doing different takes on old styles and there's a hundred new breweries a day it seems like you know so so with all of that new beer hitting the market all the time you're gonna find gems and you're gonna find shitty beer and you're gonna have to sift through it but it makes that 30 dollar bomber that much more outrageous because you can find a seven dollar bomber of something fantastic that nobody's heard of or seen. And, and sometimes that's more fun to go discover right. something and find something at your local bottle shop that nobody's seen or done or whatever. And you try it and it's amazing. You don't have to spend that $30, but we do. And that's the reason they still price it that high is that we, yeah. we continue buying it, but we don't have to. There's so many options for beer out there. Yeah. And this is, this kind of brings me to a question I kind of want to ask you is, you know, we talk about trends, you know, on the show and off the show. Um, you know, we, I, we, we kind of poo poo on New England IPAs a little bit and that's a whole nother topic. We'll do it for another show about, about that. But, um, do you think the worst thing in craft beer is hype? I don't think it's the worst thing at all. I think that what I think it, one of the worst things. I no, I don't. I think the hype is well-deserved most of the time. And I think if you manufacture it yourself, then that's kudos to you and your marketing team and whatever program you put in place uh, to do it. It's just like any other business. We have to treat it like a business. If somebody's marketing the hell out of themselves and they're becoming successful for it, then I'd say more power to them. I don't think it's a bad thing for craft beer. I do think that us calling bad breweries on their shit is, is, a, is the biggest problem. I think that if you're not going to speak with your wallet or if you're not going to at least go to, you know, untapped or go to wherever and talk about your bad beer, your bad experience or whatever you didn't like, then you're, you're part of the problem. It's not about the hype train at that point. It's about your inability to fight the hype train and put them in check and say, you know what? That beer wasn't that good. You know, yeah. and like there, there's a brewery that I already mentioned on the show once that we've mentioned before that we're not going to get into detail about. But I, every single time we go there, we complain about the fact that their tap lineup hasn't changed <laughs> once. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why I asked you about the, the hype questions because 
that brewery has so much hype and I, you know, like you said, I don't want to, we don't want to jump into that, but that brewery has so much hype to the point. It's absolutely fucking annoying for me, Mike personally, but how often I hear about this, but it's like, I mean, that, that I think hype is, is a, a very much a blanket term in, in craft beer of, you know, what do you classify as hype? Is it the brewery that has eight out of nine beers or a single style or is it hype of, you know, this brewery is releasing this beer for the first time in six years and it's going for 30 bucks a bottle or is hype, you know, that brewery making this beer that no one's heard of that that's a gem that may not have the budget to market, but they release great stuff. You know, what, what, is, what is craft beer? What is hype in craft beer? And I think that's, a, that's a very broad topic that maybe one day we can, we can really dive into with maybe a couple of guests of what they think of hype because it could be anything good or bad so you know i don't good or bad i just manufactured is the problem good or bad as long as it's as long as it's genuine but manufactured hype is the issue i guess is the people that are that are building it on their own however they're doing it and and that's the issue is when people won't like i said you just got to put them in check a great brewery puts out a shitty beer don't tell them how great it is. Don't right. tell the world how great it is. Be honest about it. Say that beer sucks. In that same respect, a bad brewery puts out a good beer. Be honest about it. I mean, yeah. it's a good beer. We like it. You know, that's the only way you're going to hold people accountable. Otherwise, there's no point in even checking shit in because you're going to play right. your favorites and pretend every one of your favorite breweries puts out your favorite beers all the time. And and that's when you get a pineapple beach situation. Right. And, and you know, it's uh, Ending on, on this article, it's, it's, if you're a brewer or you own a brewery or you make your brewer and own whatever the case is, you have to be able to handle criticism, both good and bad, right? I know, Jeff, a year ago, we had a whole Twitter thing of guy didn't like the beer. He made, he made it known on Twitter he didn't like the beer out of Lakeland. Lakeland Bre- the Lakeland uh, Brewery acted kind of out of control. But in a, in, a, in a consumer market, you have to be able to take criticism, both good and bad. Well, and and if you're a brewer, you want the bad. You should feedback. be able to like that, right? Exactly. You want it. I mean, that's what Pre- Preston always told us as a brewer. He said, "I don't care." He said, "I don't care what you think of my beer. Just let me know because that's the only way I'm going to improve." Right. Is if you tell me the good or the bad. He goes, I, you know, he said, "You get all these people out at these." Um, you know, these beer festivals fest. that are telling you, telling you how great your beer is all the time. Everybody tells you how great it is. He said, all I want is real feedback. So I know what to do better. Right. Now look where hey, he is we, now, dude. He's the 13th best homebrew in the state. He's it doesn't, it, dude. Yeah. And it doesn't change that once you become a real brewer, like once you, once you're at a brewery and you're brewing professionally, you still need to know real feedback. That's actually probably more when you need to know it because that's when more people are likely to blow smoke up your ass. Yeah, and you're you, now you're invested big time. You're putting hundreds of thousands of dollars to, into a brewery, to where people are blowing smoke up your ass because you're they're their buddy or they want free shit. Like, you're not gonna last, man. And the bubble's popping. Quote me on it. Bubble's popping. <laughs> so CBS Jeff buying or selling? I know we co- kind of covered. But buying, buying the buying. concept, buying the branding, buying the release selling on the price but i'm still buying the beer so i guess i'm buying on all of it yeah, me too buying 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 and then guilt buying <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> all right awesome 
So article number two, Beer Street Journal again. I'm I don't know how to say this brewery's name, so I might fuck it up, but please internet internet people, you know what I'm talking about. Don't hate it me. It adds it adds to the validity of this whole argument if that we yeah. don't know the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scofflow? Scofflow? Brewing partners with Brewdog. I know this is this is re- recent news of three days ago. Pretty much, Scofflow is a is a Atlanta brewery in Georgia, Atlanta brewery, and they par- formed a one year partnership with Brewdog Ohio. And now, me and Jeff are familiar with Brewdog, uh, not only on the TV show, but Jeff does have their Tokyo IPA that he's been holding on for a little bit. Stout, we were supposed stout, to drink stout, oh, Tokyo, sorry, stout. Tokyo Stout. Sorry. Uh, so they partnered together. Um, for a one-year deal uh, as of now. Um, so this is kind of, I, I chose this article and I pitched it to Jeff because we're seeing a lot of breweries joining together. Brewery, buyouts hasn't been a buyout recently. There's been more breweries and breweries teaming together to form a bigger company for expansion reasons, distribution, whatever the case is. Prime example, Cigar City. Hey guys, guess what? Cigar City isn't, cigars isn't owned by Joy Render anymore. It's owned by a bigger bigger investment company and that company was started by oscar blues cigar cities in there and parent right and so it's, it's a trifecta it's a triangle right so i saw this article it pissed it to jeff jeff said this is good let's talk about it is this jeff the future of the craft beer in terms of are we going to start seeing craft beers legally joining together not just collaborating for beers but legally joined together for one year, two year, three years in order to grow and expand, whether it's, you know, expand um, production, expand distribution. Is this, you know, the building block of something we're going to see more commonly of? I, uh, this is I a hard think question. so. <laughs> think so. I think we're going to see more of it. I don't understand it per se. I don't get the draw from the bigger brewery side. I totally get the draw from the from the underdog, the 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 scoffla of this group. Um, I get it for them because as we'll go through in this article, they saw some very significant advantages to the fact that they partnered with BrewDog. Um, aggressive, aggressive expansion, big time expansion, like to the point that I don't even know why the demand is as high as what they're able to put out. so I get it for the little guy and maybe, maybe the big guys hope is that they're buying low and with their name behind something and the bit of interest that they are getting in their partnership benefits in the long run. But in a one year contract, I could only see BrewDog either. I mean, unless the, I don't know how it's set up financially. I could only see them basically giving and not having enough time to reap the benefits of what they gave. So I don't, I don't see how the partnership works in a one year contract of a partnership of some kind with a brewery. That's not even in your same area state or market. Um, I guess maybe that's the benefit is that they're not in your area or market, but I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, but it is, it does seem to be happening. I haven't seen a direct link between Cigar City and Oscar Blues. It's not like I've seen their collaborations uh, go up. They haven't been doing more stuff together. Their market presence hasn't changed, um, at least in our market. So I don't, I don't know if that ship is the true partnership either. Two brothers with the same parent who do their own thing. I don't really know how this partnership 
benefits anybody, but it seems that it must because there are breweries continually doing it. Yeah. So I'm about so to, I'm I don't a, know. let's draw some knowledge. So I've heard from multiple sources that Cigar City's year-round beers, High Lie, whatever, is not made in Tampa anymore. I don't know about Brew Hub because uh, I know Cigar City had a contract with Brew Hub to brew the High Lie, the Maduro, the, the Florida Cracker. Yep. Right, right. So I know for a fact, according to multiple sources, that Tamp- that Cigar City High Lie is brewed at Oscar, Blue- Oscar Blues in Brevard, North Carolina. So I'm going to assume that's fact. Where that, how that's broken up is out of my knowledge, but I, I'm assuming that the core beers are brewed at a bigger facility in order to make more of it, which gets more obvious. More, more you can make out of place, the more cans you can send out to distribution, the more reach you get. Makes sense. I get it. So this is a year contract, right? And reading, as Jeff was talking, I was kind of reading the article because classic at the bar podcast were not prepared. Well, we were like 80%. 80% prepared. Maybe. Maybe 70. But anyway, so it's reading the article. It says it that Scofflow is getting BrewDog's uh, canning and excess brewing, brewing capacity, which is weird because we do not get BrewDog in Florida. And BrewDog is, one for us in Orlando, and I'm assuming Jupiter as well, is a brand that we've heard of, can never fucking find. They're on TV, can't fucking buy them. They're they're running all this uh, donation campaign where oh donate money to BrewDog, we'll we'll give you this now this you know what the fuck like I don't BrewDog to me is so foreign and I cannot understand what the hell they're ever doing. But Scoffla, Scoffla, whatever brewing in Atlanta. It says in the article, they opened in July of 2016 in Atlanta's west side. They've expanded three times since then, and holy shit, I have never in my life of craft beer have seen such an expansion at such a rate for any brewery ever. Ever. Never. We have some legit breweries here in Florida. I'm biased. Whatever. But the first was 360-barrel tanks and one bright tank. The next one was three 90-barrel fermentation tanks and another bright tank. And the third was a 50-barrel brew house with eight 100-barrel tanks and bright tanks for build-out by the March 1st of next year, 2018. Holy cow. And the article says this expansion will increase Scofflaw's annual capacity to 30,000 barrels, nearly 1 million gallons of beer annually. Whoa, right. dude. Whoa. Whose beer? Whose beer? Their beer? Or BrewDog's beer? Because there's no, like, what? I don't, again, I don't get where the benefit is for that kind of expansion unless you're brewing BrewDog's brands. So I, and, and which, I think BrewDog paying them to become their own contract. I think that's what it BrewDog, is. But why wouldn't BrewDog just build their own brewing facility? Right, like I, I think like what it is, I I don't get it. I just don't get. I don't know. Fuck it. I think what happened is from from interpreting the article. I think Scott Scofflaw, whatever the fuck that name is, is pretty much BrewDog is their brew hub, right? To where they reached a one year agreement to where hey, let's brew and can our beer at your facility, 
and distribute it out back to our market, which kind of is kind of genius in a way of, and we're seeing a rise in this too. Like brew hub is, is killing it in terms of being rental brewers of, yeah, no, we're not a brewery. We're not a full fledged brewery, but we'll, we'll brew your big stuff on our system at this price, can it for you and then give it back to you or sell it back, whatever the contract states. I think this is what brew dog is doing is that we have the equipment to do what you want. So let's do a year partnership. We'll brew it for you. We'll can it for you, but send it back to you for you to distro in your market. Interesting. What a twist. Tarantino twist. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, obviously we know it happens. I, I, you know, it's going to continue happening. There is a benefit. I don't know if the benefit and if it's pricing on ingredients, if it's better buying power or need to do, if it gives them more freedoms with their brew days or ability to brew more beers or different beers. I don't know. Maybe they all sit down and they give ideas to each other. Yeah. Um, even if it's that simple, I mean, that's a good business partnership. If you have two good breweries and two good head brewers together that aren't competing, but now they're working together, that could be a great thing too. So I don't know what the benefits are. I do know that there must be benefits. They keep doing it and they're going to continue to do stuff like this a hundred percent. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this from, you know, the business half of the show. You're, you're a business savvy more so than me. Do you think the idea of a brew hub is a market or plan that is, uh, could be, um, that's what's the word. Um, well done or trying to think of a, do you think brew hub companies like brew hub? Do you think lucrative is what is the word I'm looking for? Do you think if someone's looking to get a craft beer, they have the capital, they have the money to open their own brewery. Do you think instead of opening their own brewery, should they open a place like brew hub and just contract out other breweries, beers to distro? I absolutely think that that market is a brilliant market. I think if you were able to do something where if you could make it, the thing would have to have enough of an ability to put it out that you could buy all your supplies cheap. So you would have to be able to have buying power on your own in order to make your own product worth selling. Cause otherwise your price is going to be too high. Sure. So brew, brew hubs, beauty and their brilliance is the fact that they manufacture on such a high scale they can on such a high level they are they have so much space and and big equipment and they they hit the i mean their funding from the beginning was so huge that they built a facility that could instantly instantly buy with the big dogs sure. so when you came to the big dogs all of a sudden all of your cost for doing business goes down and then you can then take those savings and turn it into profits. If me and you wanted to try to do what Brewdog did or Brewhub did and open up, we're not going to get cans at the same price. We're not going to get canning equipment at the same price. We're not going to set up our brewery at the same price. All of the costs of doing business go up for us, which means our contract with whatever brewer that we have to do is going to be a little bit harder for us to get because we're going to have to charge them more money. Um. So I don't know. I think the market's there. I think there are a lot of really creative, like, go-arounds in the craft beer market right now that untapped things that the market's going to turn into. But I do see um, 
so far craft beer has grown at such an ex exponential rate very quick um that nobody's really 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 innovated the game yet it's yeah. basically been a bunch of people opening up their version of what the best possible brewery is brewing great beer but it's all the same business model more or less we open a brewery we brew some beer and you know and then we have a tap room we had distro it's all something if somebody were to do what brew hub did i mean brew hub i think changed the game they went in at, at a completely different level they had no interest in brewing our own beer then they ended up brewing their own beer later on correct but they weren't they were open as you know what i mean they were open as a, a contract brewer more or less um I think there are some cool ideas you could do in craft beer. I have a couple myself. I'm not going to disclose on the show for uh, reasons that hopefully I get to do them someday. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I have, I've had ideas where I think basically a glorified co contract brewer is a fantastic way to make a lot of money. And I think that if you did it in your own way and you had your own facility that you didn't use for your own good, but maybe you kind of did a workaround where you had your own tap room, you could do some really cool stuff. Um, I, I see what you're throwing down. I see it. And I thought the same thing too. I've thought about if I could get the capital doing a similar business plan to brew hub, uh, also reluctant to mention it, but kind of the same along the lines of brew hub to where it's, you have that, you know, you, you go heavy on the equipment early and then just kind of rent it out. And by renting out, it's not only is it funding the the contract that you have, but it's also supplying your own tap room with, with beer so i think it's a good idea something i would i would love to uh maybe talk to brew hub about or maybe just take out you know four million dollars and just go on a bank loan and just fucking do it you know what i'm saying yeah i think the banks are willing to give you four million probably yeah i think they'll do it with no credit you sure all right <laughs> last <laughs> oh we have a podcast last article <laughs> we gotta throw some humor in here guys come on this dilly dilly this this made me fucking dad laugh. <laughs> and I'm not a parent, but I got a good hard dad laugh. Dilly dilly. Same thing, guys. BeerStreetJournal.com. Dilly dilly. Budweiser sends medieval cease and desist letter. I'm just going right away, Jeff. So cool. I know we, we kind of talked about before the show. Fucking plus one to Budweiser. Come on. Yeah. They got him. Yeah. AB, I got to say, AB, class act move uh, for a company that we have, a company that we have obviously talked they have been at war with the craft beer industry forever. Everybody, this is not forward. This is not going to change the minds of all the craft beer people out there that hate AB. But man, first step forward to kind of play nice with the craft beer world and just like make a joke out of something that's really, really funny. And, and I thought they did a fantastic job and it was a class act by them. Yeah, for sure. So I'm not going to read the... Uh the cease and des desist but i mean it's dude guys look it up google it uh dilly dilly budweiser so yeah dude look fucking high five slow clap to ab and bev yeah we could talk shit we can all hate them and that's all fine and just had, but what a just so you guys <laughs> yeah just so you guys under this it was cease and desist letter itself was was medieval which it was it was written as like a medieval uh decree in like you know but of it they had like like one of the actors from the Dilly Dilly commercials from back at the medieval table. They had him come into this brewery and read the decree as if he was reading an announcement uh, 
in like in medieval times, uh, yeah. telling them basically that you know we we re- we respect you guys. We're so happy you decided to use our dilly dilly name in your beer. Uh, make this not a seasonal, or, or make this not a seasonal or a reoccurring. Make this time brew, and we don't have any issues. But if we have to, you know, if you guys do it, then we're going to have to actually take some legal action. Basically, it was like. Hey man, it's all good. Use the beer until it's use the name until it's gone, but you're kind of copywriting infringing on us. But don't worry about it for now. But if you if you continue to do it, then we're gonna have issues. But for right now, you're cool. They did it was so classy. It wasn't a they didn't get the lawyers in and say, Hey, you need to stop doing this immediately. You know, right. which is what they easily could have done with their money and funding and everything. They have lawyers on on retainer all the time. They didn't have to do that. They just sent in an actor to do a hilarious an easy, fun, jovial way of telling him, you know, stop using our name. Yeah, and and, and I think it's a good gesture for AB uh, InBev. You know, it's, I mean, it's not, you know, all the haters are going to say, AB InBev, fuck them. I can't believe you guys are fucking agreeing with what they did. They're fucking ruining crap here. I hear, I hear all the time. Yes. But in the same point, it's like, they, yeah, like you said, like they could have just whipped out the, the lawyer dick and fucking slammed down the table and said, fuck it, you guys can't do it. But they chose a creative way. They made an attempt to win back maybe some favors in terms of the craft beer industry of being being playful about it and having a good time. And, you know, the, the paper has the burnt edges, the tea-colored paper. It's all fancy script, like the Constitution, all fancy cursive. But, it, guys, you just got to let things go, man. Like... It's, it took it's, it's it longer con- and was way more thought out for them and took way more effort for them to play nice than it did for them to not just send their standard cease and desist, plug in the word dilly dilly, have a lawyer sign it, stop using the name dilly dilly, or else we're going to sue you. That's what every other big brewery would do. That's what all even the small breweries do if you, if you copyright infringe upon them. Hey, guys, we have an issue with this name. Stop using it or else we'll sue you. And they send that letter off. Right. That takes them no time at all. They had to actually go out of their way and and put this whole thing together in order to play nice with this small brewery. Right. And I thought it was a really awesome step for them. I think it was really cool. Um, I you know said it doesn't really repair my relationship with AB. Right. Yeah. But yeah I hear that. It's a step in the right direction, and I think that they're starting to realize that they're going to get a lot further with the craft beer world and the craft beer people if. If they play nice and they try to partner with the craft beer people rather than, you know, what, whatever it is that they have been doing, going to war with us, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, but they'll get there. You know. Right. A lot of people are throw shit at AB and, and they're, they're right to do that per se. But guys, this is going to be a problem that we're going to see more of. And we've already talked on the show with Dogfish Head and Florida Keys is that there are so many breweries making so many beers and each beer has to have a name to at some point there will be copyright infringement and each brewery has to go to the, the legal, the appropriately legal process of copywriting a name. If you do not do that, you're subject to getting a cease and desist. Ask any lawyer that that's common knowledge. It's, it is what it is. And you could say that you can say, AB fuck, fuck them for doing that. That sucks. Guys, dogfish did it too, guys. And that's our favorite brewery. Both Jeff and I's favorite brewery. Dogfish did it. More breweries are going to do it. It's just, I mean, that happened. F- shit, Red Cypress. They had to change their deep roots to sawmill. Yeah. Yep, just just happened to Red Cypress. Yeah. And it's, it's not I a mean, bad there's, thing. There's only so many names. Not a bad thing. There's only so many names. Right. And the thing is, they, 
high profile. I mean, this is the biggest thing going around the beer industry. Dilly dilly. Instead of saying cheers, just say dilly dilly. Everybody thinks it's hilarious. And it is kind of funny, and it's a lot more fun. We said it while we were drinking last week. We said it probably 20 times throughout the day. Dilly dilly. It's, it's funny, and I get it. So if you name your beer dilly dilly, whatever, you do that with 100% knowledge that Budweiser, AB, is gonna has, find tra- out. has trademarked that name. Yeah. You know that. Like there's not – there's a 0% chance that they made that beer and named it that without thinking they were going to get a cease and desist. In a way, I would almost say they probably did it as a slap in the face to them and almost was kind of challenging Bud- Budweiser to send that letter. Hey, sure. we're going to take your catchphrase and put it on this beer because it's trendy. It's funny. We get it. But also – Fuck you guys, you're AB. Right. So I, you know, I would be very surprised if one, they did it blindly, unwillingly, knowing that they were taking a copyright infringement because they definitely knew. Two, I would be very surprised if they didn't say at some point along the way, well, it's just AB. Let's challenge them a little bit. Let's see if they're going to send that letter. I, I think they did that knowing that. Yeah. So to get so to get that letter the way they got it in the hilarious way they got it, the AB was playing nice with them. Was kind of like okay. You know, we got you. You're cool. I think that was a big step. I'm not, they're not my favorite. AB is not my favorite. Still don't like them, but you know. Right. They could have done a lot. They're, of- they're, they're moving in the right sure. direction. And I think that's what they needed to do. Sure. sure. And I, I agree. And I, and I always laugh. Look at the bottom of the letter it says, yours truthfully, Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. <laughs> So anyway, guys, that's that. Let's let's just end it there. I don't have any more news articles to uh to go. Nah, but um, not more news, dog. Yeah, I'll my news, dog. <laughs> so Jeff, I mean, let's wrap it up, man. Let's what do you got going on? Oh boy, what do I got going on? Well, went to a little brewery the other day. Had some good IPAs, lots of them, and they were good. They actually, I'm <laughs> trying to. They were good. Uh. But other than that, haven't been doing a whole lot, man. Season's starting to come in. I'm getting busy at work. I've been working a whole lot. Um, got the Christmas season coming up, so we know how that goes. Everybody, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But, yeah, man, just been stocking up on a lot of beer, bought a bunch of stuff. I actually picked up a Bourbon County when we were just up in Orlando at GB's Bottle Shop. Uh, picked up, actually, just before the show, and I got I to gotta say it because it was amazing. I just had the uh, the Clown Shoes Pecan Pie Oh yeah, I do uh, like it. Imperial Brown was it Imperial Brown Ale, I believe, something or something. Like that, yeah. Nine nine percent alcohol, fantastic beer. Clown shoes had a good product. Uh we had that just just before I um sure. but yeah, everything's going well, man. I'm glad it's cold. I hope it stays this way for a little bit, but that's about it. I don't got okay. a whole lot going on. No. Oh, except for the UCF full game that we better fucking win. <laughs> Go nights. <laughs> that's good, dude. So we uh by the time this airs, this could be about two weeks out. Maybe actually probably around Christmas time this this episode will air. Um guys, cannot stress enough. At the barpodcast.com. It's our website. Check it out. Even more importantly, you go on the top left, click the store. We will be having our CCC Saturday Chuck Club shirts available. We might do special pricing for Christmas. More than likely we will. Quality over everything. Yes, and that is going to be our second shirt. It by the time you hear this episode, it will be out and ready to buy. Quality over everything, a thing that me and Jeff live by with craft beer. Quality over everything. 
and then we may have a, a third shirt out not sure yet we're, we're two weeks behind so this is going to be like i said aired a little bit later on in the month or from when you're hearing this this is two weeks prior so we there will be a third shirt we will more likely have christmas pricing so guys support the show buy a shirt this is the only way of supporting us like get you great interviews with ryan people like ryan parker people like barrel of monks we're gonna do barrel of monks soon we're gonna do hell yeah accomplice soon we're looking for january i'm gonna head down south at some point in the month and me and jeff are gonna tag team barrel of monks accomplice sounds sexy uh maybe mia i don't know i don't want, I don't want to make that a thing even though i just said it but definitely those two those two uh breweries slash cideries will do a show from there with Someone we haven't determined yet because I haven't emailed them. <laughs> but like I said, t-shirts, the only way to, to, is to uh, support the show. So guys, come on. Be cool, man. Be cool, bro. Buy a shirt. Support us. We buy them. We wear them. We're I cool. do. So that's all I got, man. That's all I got. Buy, buy the fucking Very shirt. tight. Come on. They're cool. I designed them myself. Put a lot of work into it. Anyway. It's hot. I also have a ton. I have like four cases of beer too. So I, I've a, I'm very much back backlogged. And I, I've, of course, I bought more. You gave me some beers last weekend. Much appreciated. I'm, I'm excited to try them. And we picked up yeah, some man. beers from Red Cypress, of course, because why the fuck not? We're there. <laughs> I didn't have enough. I didn't have enough beer. I didn't bring you as much as I thought I had. I've got more. I got to just go digging. I've literally got in my downstairs closet under the stairs, I've got beer. I've got the back of my pantry. I've got two cabinets in my kitchen. I've got a wine rack full. I I just have to go digging and find all the stuff because I know I bought you more beer and I didn't bring you as much as I thought I had. No worries. (laughs) But, well, I mean, next time I see you, I'll be uh, bringing back those those Red Cypress beers that Ryan mentioned on episode 50. So uh, those those, are the the Belgian, the other one he mentioned. So uh, anyway. So let's wrap it up there. As always, everybody, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your feedback, your great feedback, your support, your time for listening to us talk, everything. I'm going to say that at the end of every episode because we've been getting so much great feedback and so much great listeners and everyone loves us. And it's it's a labor of love. You know, we take a time out of our day to do this and, and we don't ask for much besides buying a T-shirt. So I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone who's listening and supports us and gives us good feedback man thank you so much uh we do we i do listen jeff listens we do appreciate it and every week we tr- we strive to be uh slightly better <laughs> slightly slightly, slightly, better. slightly big yeah. capital letters and slightly yeah slightly better but as always guys thanks again for listening and as always we will see you at the bar <laughs>